Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining the latest installment in Open Sense's Return to Work series. Today, we'll be discussing how Mass Mutual is adapting to new ways of working. We'll be joined by Holly Dowd, the Head of Space Design and Utilization at Mass Mutual. And I'll hand over to her in a second to give a brief introduction to herself and her role within the team. First things first, just going to talk through what it is that we will be discussing today. Firstly, we're going to be going through some examples of how Holly's team and the wider organisation have had to adapt over the last year and throughout the pandemic. And then we'll be going through in a chronological order from initial lockdown to expectations from the future and comparing Holly's experiences and her team's experiences to the findings from a recent survey of ours looking at how businesses have been impacted around the world by COVID-19. Throughout the presentation, we'll be looking at how technology has been used and can be used to resolve some space issues. Um, and also the ways that teams can start to facilitate the shift to these new ways of working. So Holly, if you'd like to begin by starting just introducing yourself and the kind of, I guess, your role within Mass Mutual, that'd be great. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, pleasure to be here. Springfield Mass, um, that's where we're located. That's where our headquarters is. We've recently made a recommitment to Massachusetts, so we are building a new, um, brand new building on the Boston Mass Seaport as well. But for those of you who are unfamiliar with Mass Mutual, we're... Um, a, primarily a life insurance company. We provide financial services that covers life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care, and annuities. That's our primary core business. So as David mentioned, my name is Holly Dowd. I've been with Mass Mutual for just shy of 20 years. And my latest role has been as the head of our space design and utilization team, which is part of our corporate real estate department and overall part of the facilities organization. We roll up to our human resource and employee experience leader. So that's where I am. Brilliant. Thank you for that. As I mentioned, we're going to we're going to start kind of back in March last year, the whole world kind of got shut down. And in the recent the survey I mentioned before, we found most businesses had a kind of similar experience at this period of time in that 86% of the respondents, their offices were either fully or partially uh, closed down. And the experience of um, employees within these organisations was quite similar in terms of what they found difficult, uh, with lots of people complaining about effects on their work-life balance, uh, communication issues from top down, not really kind of knowing what the future held, and then the actual way they had to work as well with Zoom fatigue, lack of socialization, being in an office. It all kind of, the more it went on, the more it took a toll on people. So I guess my first question for you, Holly, is when the pandemic started to ramp up, what was Mass Mutual's initial response to it? And what were your expectations of the coming months or coming year? Well, when the, when the pandemic first rolled out, I don't think any of us had any idea what we were about to embark on. That's first and foremost. But Mass Mutual is a very methodical company in the sense that we have a team of people. Their entire job is called OER. It's the Office of Enterprise Resilience. So their job is to plan for these types of, of major failures, major risks. So they were prepared to the extent of we had um, contingency plans in, in effect, essentially, that you know, we're not catered towards COVID-19, but we're, we're akin to something of this, you know, massive proportion. So what we did was we had a two-week pilot right before, um, I would say it was late February, because it March is when we really started to work at home. And it was pr primarily a voluntary program where they said, 
anybody who can work from home for the next two weeks, please do. And um, that was really to prepare our IT team for the technology influx that was about to occur. And so that happened. It got actually cut a little bit short because we were mandated um, at one point to go home. And essentially, we were told by our leadership, if you are not an essential worker, which was defined by management, then we did not want you on campus. You were to stay home and to leverage the technology and the tools that were provided to you. Um, and for the most part, everybody really complied. It was, it was very, very clearly communicated to us um, what our expectations were. Um, we have an internal communications team that did a very robust FAQ document, which was updated every day with people's questions. And there were opportunities for everybody to ask questions. So it was really clear, frequent communication that kept us all in line, if you will, on, on what to expect and what we were expected to do and how we were expected to perform. You mentioned it was the vast majority of people who were told you can't be in the office. So That's who, right. who remained in the office? What kind of roles were there? Yeah, so look after it was that? about yeah, less than um, less than one percent of our over over um, our entire population. If you looked at all of our our satellite offices included, and the roles that had to come into the office were were those that like mail services, people that needed to scan and distribute mail to keep our business flowing. There were roles, obviously, in facilities across the board, certain call center um, roles that needed to be in the office that couldn't be taken from home, and, and primarily anyone that actually could not work from home for whatever reason. They didn't. Some people live in very remote parts. We're up in Western Mass, almost on the Vermont border, so internet can be a little bit sketchy. Um, which is obviously it's not going to work if you're working from home and you don't have a good internet connection. So it was really um, just shy of about 150 people on average per day. We watched the bad swipe data. So it was not a great proportion of people. With bringing those people into the office, what was it? Whose team was it your team that was kind of responsible for looking after them once they got in? How did you keep them safe? So yes and no. So we have that OER team. They're, they were the ones who really delineated what our rules were. So we had our state rules, and then we had the CDC guidelines, which we followed to the T. So we were responsible to the extent of you know, providing, making sure we recirculated the air. We basically flushed out everything every night. We increased our cleaning protocol. We, of course, took advantage of everything that was offered uh, for environmental services, space planning and design. We, we um, spread people out to the extent where we could if they were in the office. We had clear signage. We um, removed furniture where it would actually help facilitate easy navigation for those folks. We encouraged, if you don't need to be in, in contact with anybody at this time, please don't, um, especially virtual meetings. There really wasn't any initial reason during the, the very first couple of weeks of the pandemic for anybody to be uh, in the office other than those essential workers. So we really hit home on keeping people safe by keeping yourself safe. And I know like my housemates and I all very quickly had to transition to work from home and we all had our struggles. What kind of measures did you put in place to make sure that people working from home were supported, not purely from a technical perspective, but mm -hmm. also from a, a well-being perspective? Well, as mentioned, um, you know, we had a very clear intranet site in which had a huge portion of data, whether it was questions about working at the company, whether it was our employee assistance program, you know, mental stress or dealing with elder care or, you know, death. Um, that's certainly something that, you know, was very shocking to a lot of people um, with the casualty rate. Um, we had daily calls. So every morning we kick off with a call with um, representatives from 
all of our stakeholder groups across Mass Mutual. So it's health and wellness, facilities, human resources, communication. So we were constantly collaborating to make sure that everybody was aware of what the situation was and could respond to employee questions. And then we offered things to really benefit people. We offered extra training teams in Zoom and using technology that some really weren't familiar with being in office workers. They didn't really have that need to really be that in depth. And that was very, very fatiguing mentally for some people to get used to being on that camera and wanting to turn the camera on. Um, and then we also did things, fun things, polls and surveys around like, you know, how many people are in your house today? Or, you know, do you have a cat or a dog? Or things to keep people engaged in, in conversation that you'd have at the water cooler, so to speak. And then for those folks that had to come into the office, which was unfortunate in the sense that we couldn't get everything remote, but we offered them incentives. So, you know, there were incentive gifts sent to their home. Um, they were offered, and they still are offered to this day, free food, um, breakfast, lunch, snacks, coffee, tea, whatever they want. Essentially, if you needed something, all you had to do was ask. We also loaned out a tremendous amount of ergonomic equipment for home use, uh, chairs, versa desks, pretty much anything you needed. We sent home dual monitors, uh, about 1,500 people took us up on the opportunity to, to have items shipped home for them. We actually hand-delivered with our mass mutual trucks, lots of equipment, so people could be successful at home. Yeah, that all sounds like you've done a lot of legwork compared to a lot of the companies. Yeah. At OpenSenses, we talk quite a lot about phases of return to work. And the phase that we've just gone through, the initial lockdown, was quite similar for everyone because there wasn't much room, like wiggle room, in terms of what you could do. It was just mandated that you were at home. And then restrictions started to lift. People started going back into the offices. And when we when we put this survey out, 34% of the respondents said that they were already back in the office. And this had actually been increasing pretty steadily since Q2 of 2020. And the remaining 33% said that they were expecting the second half of Q2 of 2021 uh, to be when things really ramped back up for them. Um, so what kind of state are you guys in in your return to work where where would you say you are in this journey so we're in the preliminary stages of return to work so um, late june of this year we started a voluntary return to work program so qualifications for that were full vaccination not one shot but both um, and having had it um, at least two weeks prior and then there's a series of safety training um, that you must take. It's online. Um, and then, a, you know, an attestation to basically follow all the mandates should you come into the office. So we opened that up uh, June the 21st. And to date, we've only had about 150 to 200 people request to come back to work in. We're calling it a proof of concept, a pilot, so that we can start to figure out if we have any gaps with people coming back. And so it's it's interesting because our, our badge swipe data, even though you'd think with our essential worker population of about 150 to 200 plus an additional 200, you'd have at least 300 to 400 daily associates on our main campus in Springfield. But the reality of it is, is we're seeing it trend really Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We'll see about 300, 330, but all the other days of the week, it's very low. So you can tell Mondays and Fridays are not popular. And for some reason, Thursdays as well. But um, we're in the early stages. And right now we are actually planning our larger re-entry uh, re plan. And one of my tasks right now is to provide optionality to our senior leaders in terms of how aggressive do we want to be with our return to work around the way that we use space and the way that we use our data to manage that space. So we're, we're planning on having, it was just announced yesterday, actually, that managers will have a tremendous amount of discretion 
Um, we're moving to what we're calling the hybrid workforce. So we've been traditionally an in-office. We had remote associates that were full-time remote, but it was a small percentage of our associate base. So we're gonna be moving to that, that hybrid work environment. So we'll have three status. We'll have the in-office workers who come in five days a week by preference or by job delineation. We'll have a hybrid workforce and we're letting that be determined by the managers in terms of flexibility and the associate. So we're saying you can come in basically one to five days a week, but that is dependent on the job and, and how well it's working for you as an associate and what your team is going through. And we're trying to determine if certain groups are going to have associates come in all on one day or they're going to spread them out or whatnot. So we need that data. Um, we'll be surveying and polling those managers between September and October to see where they land. And then that last category will be those associates who stay full-time remote, um, don't ever come into the office. And if they do, they hotel. You mentioned there that throughout all of these processes, you're going to be relying on data and on the actually talking to people. So is employee experience going to become, or employee satisfaction with office space going to become a pretty central part of how these processes are run in a hybrid environment? Yeah, um, yes and no. So traditionally, you know, we, we're a somewhat conservative company in our, in our approach to how we manage um, space utilization or real estate, if you will. But we really feel that now is the time where, where our culture has been evolving. You know, the millennials have taught us a lot, if you will, um, in terms of, you know, Mass Mutual, we say, is a place you come, you're born and you die there. So um, I'm 20 years and I'm probably one of the more junior team members on my team. Um, average is about 30 to 35. So when you look at it from that perspective, we've been fairly static in our approach. But over the last few years, we've done a tremendous amount of culture shifting. So we went to a address appropriately work policy. We used to be business casual. Um, now it's dress appropriately. Um, we've done a tremendous amount of employee engagement surveying to understand where our pain points are. And our HR and employee experience committee has genuinely taken that feedback into account and made made differences that want that the associates want and that attract them to stay or to join Mass Mutual. But when it when it comes down to the space aspect of it, it's not feasible to go to hybrid and give everybody a one-to-one -one seat assignment. Mm -hmm. We have the room. Our campus can accommodate that. But in its current state, we can't do it um, with the right co-location of business units. We can't, you know, we have a policy at Mass Mutual that today, if you're going to get an assigned seat, you have to be in the office for three or more days a week. Otherwise, you're expected to hotel or to utilize one of our many collaboration areas. We have them throughout the campus, whether it be, um, you know, soft seating lounge areas or whether it's our enterprise hotel center, collaboration rooms, we have a little bit of everything. We've been evolving for sure. So while we're taking that into account that the employee experience is very important, we also feel that the time now is to make some of these space changes that are long overdue. And, and that is kind of more in line with what some of our peer companies are doing. We've been benchmarking like crazy. We've got a question in from the audience, which is related to what you're saying about dress appropriately. What's that, what's that defined as in, I guess, actual technical terms? Literally, the entire policy is dress appropriately. That is the policy. Um, so that kind of tells you where we're going. What that means is if you have client meetings and you're going to be in the office with those clients, you're expected to dress appropriately for the, the way you're going to work that day. 
But at, at most, I mean, it's don't wear ripped jeans, you know, no spandex in the office. You're not wearing gym clothes. But it, it's essentially is it is a very casual environment now. People are allowed to dress how they feel comfortable working for the day, as long as it's not, uh, you know, a T-shirt and pair of shorts and, you know, some Birkenstocks. It's, it's got to be appropriate for the office place. But it has made a tremendous difference in the livelihood of our organization. People are just more willing to step out of their you know, comfort zone and they'll go to an after work activity now because they're not in a suit and a tie. We have a lot of mass mutual, we call them socials. And so we'll have a beer garden outside and or we'll have a meet and greet after after the work event. And we, we tend to get a very good response from that. And I think the dressing is part of that. It kind of fits into the whole hybrid ethos of enabling people to work in the way that feels best for themselves, not only in terms of actually, this is the right space right. for me or the right environment, but if you're sitting on your own all day, I don't see any need right. to be in a shirt. In a tie. Tie. That's right. So I think all of these things do tie in together and it's quite nice to see these ideas kind of progressing. We'll move on to the, the last section, which you touched on briefly with the announcement from yesterday. Um, with going on to hybrid working. Mm -hmm. So I guess if we could dive into a bit of what that means for your for your team, what new responsibilities will you have to pick up or what new data will you be analyzing to right. make these environments functional? So data is gonna drive almost everything for us. Um, whether that is quantitative or qualitative, because really decisions about space and space usage in the way we run our campus, they can't just be by word of mouth. Otherwise, everybody asks for everything. That's one person gets it and everybody asks for it. So we're going to rely on multiple data points. So as mentioned, we meet as a team almost every morning to discuss the, the response plan to COVID and what, what's happening in the organization. So we'll have our daily and frequent status meetings with the core working group. We are a client of Open Sensors. We are actively using sensor data to see how people are using the space, right? Are they sitting there for an hour or for 10 minutes or are they sitting there at all? You know, we need to know that. Our campus is composed of two different work types. Um, we have our traditional cubicle seating. That's what we call an assigned seat. But we also have um, the neighborhood. And the neighborhood, essentially, it's hard to describe, but it's it's basically a large area that has multiple work styles. And 20% of our campus is comprised of this neighborhood concept. So a business unit will be assigned to that area. And they go in and they work the way they need to work for that day, similar to the dress policy. So one day I might need to sit at a sit stand and I need to be heads down and I need to go in a quiet area of the neighborhood. And then maybe the next day I'm, I've got no meetings and I want to collaborate with my team at a farm table. There's a variety of, there's probably 10 to 15 different ways you can work in that space. And we have all of our open seating. It's all unassigned and it is all censored. And so that way, if people are not coming in as frequently, we can look at our badge data. So that's one data point. We can see who swipes in to the campus. We can also look at that and cross-reference it against who's sitting in the neighborhood. So it's a little bit interesting. We kind of marry some of our data points to, to get at the, the data we want. We're not big brothers, so we don't track where people are sitting. We don't, um, right now today, we don't actively use seat reservation because we haven't had a need for it, but that may change. And we have piloted open sensors seat booking tool, which is the way we'll go because of that integration. We were very, very happy with that. And we're, we're going to continue to survey our employees. We do pulse surveys. We do not do them often because people just start to, they don't pay as much attention when you do it super frequently, but we have an open forum for taking in Q and A every day. So if you have something to say, you don't have to wait for the survey. But um, when we do formally survey folks, and a great example is the last one was about 
a month and a half ago. And it actually said, if you were given the opportunity, how many days a week would you come into the office? And the overwhelming response from 70% of our folks was about two to three days, if I had the choice. So that tells you people want that flexibility. We just have to figure out with our data, you know, are they taking advantage of what we're offering to them when we finally get to that end state of our reentry plan or not? You know, are we using our real estate effectively? Um, so we have about, um, I'm thinking five or six buildings on our Springfield campus as an example. And we've got people in all of them. So if we only have a subset of associates coming in on every day, because pre-pandemic, we knew that only 70% of our workforce so 70 out of every 100 people showed up on campus every day, you know, funerals, vacation, sick days, personal days, um, it all contributes. Well, then why do we have six, five or six buildings open on campus if we can compress into one building? Our main building is quite large. It's where the bulk of our seats reside. So we're trying to use data to not only satisfy the, the employee response for what they're looking for, but also to substantiate the cost in running these buildings, our operating costs. There's levels to, to which this data can be used in so many ways. And it is right. from day-to-day -day management of how people actually interact with space and making sure you have the right spaces, but then also just actually, is this effective? Is this, are we paying for something that's working well? And we've, we've seen different teams throughout COVID have to kind of get involved in these processes, especially like you were saying earlier with how safety is so much at the more forefront now. Do you think roles will change within the organization or is it pretty much static now in mass mutual? Well, I think there's overall, I think that perception is reality. That's, that's true in almost anything I encounter in my life. And I do think that um, the number one response on our employee survey that one I re re, um, referenced before is 80% of the people ranked. So we had a ranking of five, five different um, topics and employee safety, or the perception of employee safety was ranked number one by 80% of the people who answered. And we had a 97% response rate. So it's a really, um, it's a really concerning topic for associates. So in order to make Mass Mutual a place where you want to come into the office, you want to actually come in to collaborate, then we're going to have to focus on, on those, you know, very high visible types of activities that keep people not only engaged, but feeling or having that perception of I'm cared for here, otherwise they're just not gonna come in. And we've proven we can do it. We have not actually, our sales were actually improved over the pandemic from year prior. So we know we can work in this hybrid or virtual environment, but we know as a company that it's really important that you do come into the office um, if you're not a full remote worker, to collaborate. That's kind of the purpose of the office is to, to be socialized, to have, frequent and intentional collisions, which is why we design the space the way that we do, so that people do run into each other, and to simply brainstorm and collaborate. And so we are going to do everything that we can to make those topics forefront of our priority to make sure people know we've got the nanoseptic buttons in the elevator, we've got all of these things to care for you. But then on that mental aspect, we want to really utilize our communications team and our HR employee, we call it the concierge team, to really address that emotional aspect that you mentioned prior, the shift away from communications about what's happening in the campus, more to a, you know, how are we keeping you safe on the campus once we do have like a mass re-entry. In these emerging flexible and hybrid environments, uh, employee experience, it's not everything, but it's very important. And like Holly was saying, if people aren't listened to and don't feel like they're being cared for, they will 
look elsewhere and it's mm -hmm. you, can, you can't go two days nowadays without seeing an article about mm -hmm. people leaving a company because despite saying i want to work remotely they're being forced back and it's it's very important and people have felt that they've sacrificed throughout the pandemic and now it's kind of time for organizations to similarly flex um the the second point is that you can't address a problem that you don't understand or haven't prepared for so as holly said the the uh, mass mutuals oer team the resilience team was what enabled them to pivot so quickly and have everything in place to deal with this highly unprecedented situation um and data and looking at multiple sources to solve a problem is a big part of that um thirdly uh in these flexible and hybrid environments it needs to be ex like accepted that the workplace doesn't end at the office anymore uh, so the things that Holly was talking about, about using the mass mutual trucks to send materials home, that's going to be part and parcel of how you deal with remote workers. They need to be supported in the exact same way as people who come into the office, because it's, it's the same work, it's the same job, they're the same employee, and they deserve the same amount of care. Um, and finally, uh, real-time data, uh, the importance of that, we feel cannot be overstressed in hybrid environments from a cost-effectiveness um perspective and making sure that you're getting the most out of your real estate but also in terms of actually making sure that you're providing the the correct assets within the workplace for your employees to use um all of that without data is guesswork and when you have people coming in sporadically they're going to need to be able to access the places they require easily and if they can't it'll just cause frustration at the whole system that's the four recommendations that we would say from this so we've got a couple of questions coming in has Mass Mutual developed an engagement strategy for employees working from home? Um, engagement by way of, you know, keeping them part of the, the social community or the collaboration community. Is that what we mean by engagement? Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I guess it means in terms of their satisfaction and making sure that they feel a part of the organization still. Yeah, so, you know, we do have change management. Actually, we're partnering. As we look to re-enter, we're, we're using some third-party consultants to actually provide us guidance and insight to make sure that we are not looking at it myopically. You know, we don't want to look at, at it just through our mass mutual lens. So we're bringing in some third-party vendor um, work to help us to make sure that we are, we're uh, aligning ourselves with the best in class. That's our, you know, our goal. And so, as mentioned, um, you know, we will be doing events where, you know, once it's safe to have events, I should say, you know, where we will be inviting people in for, you know, all associate meeting and, and perhaps we do that on a rotational basis by organization or by group. Um, but definitely through the surveying, through the open Q&A on a daily basis, manager one-on-ones, we do a tremendous amount of manager training around COVID. We provide resource guides and topic guides so that managers who know their employees best make sure those folks are engaged. We don't want to lose our good talent as a result of isolation. We really don't. All sounds good. And it kind of goes back to the whole, there is no one size fits all. What right. works for a team, like IT departments and sales departments are going to behave very differently and have very different focuses. So they're going to need a different style of, of care. Um, That's right. So I think, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. We have actually hit our time now. So before anything else, I'd like to say, Thank you very much to Holly for your time and expertise. Um, and thank you very much for everyone else who's joined and listened in.
Um, we'll be sending recordings out to everybody else. And if you would like some more information or to see the data in the survey, you can head to our website to download either the ebook or the actual survey report itself, which goes into far more detail. Thank you very much for joining and thank you, Holly. Thanks for having me.